Hey everyone, Nancy Rommelman here from Paloma Media Studios in Chinatown. I'm here with a um, special guest, Oksana Huknik, who arrived uh, yesterday morning around one o'clock in the yeah, morning. Right. Speaking to the mic. Um, she's come from Ukraine, so you can welcome o Oksana uh, to the United States, her first time. So, Oksana, when I was with you in Ukraine, you told me you never could get a visa to the United States. Yeah, it's true. I had three refusals and now I have like a special permission uh, travel authorization for Ukrainian citizens and I can can come to the United States but only once you know it is not like a visa uh, which allows you to come for for many times during 10 years it is only for one certain time does this have anything to do with the war yeah, it is. Um, it is like a mm, simply procedure uh, to make people who have relatives or friends with, who can be the sponsors. Uh, it helps them to invite Ukrainians easily. And Ukrainians can come uh, maybe for some short period to the United States just to find a safe place for them. Or they can come come even for two years. This permission allows Ukrainians to stay here for two years. So it's interesting. So I met um, Oksana because I went to Ukraine to do some reporting. And I wound up in very last-minute circumstances uh, with Oksana and her family through a connection of someone in Portland that I just found out you didn't even know this person really. It's a it's a long story, which I'll tell a little later in the podcast, maybe. But when I was with Oksana, I stayed with her. She and her husband was Ruslan and their two children, um, Diana, who's 13, and Victoria, who's seven, who are at the moment in my living room <laughs> next door watching some videos and playing with the guitar. Um, Ruslan had really wanted Oksana to leave. Is that correct? Yeah, it's true. He what he, you said he said to you you're being a bad mother if you don't get the Yeah, children. he blamed blamed me for being a bad mother because he wanted me to save our children. He told me that it was the most um, uh, important thing in his life, his children. So, he asked me to take children and to move somewhere from Ukraine just to save their lives. And you said n n no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what did you tell me too you were going to do if the Russian soldiers came? What were you going to do to them? Uh, sorry? What did you say if the Russian soldiers came to Lviv? What did you tell me you were going to do to them? Yeah, we were going to stay to take guns into our hands and just shoot them. Yeah. So now it is um, six months later. Yeah. And... Um, she, <laughs> Oksana, got this permission. And, and what happened when you told Ruslan you were leaving? <laughs> he was surprised. <laughs> no, really, mm, after that time, after six months, the situation is uh, more predictable. And we don't feel in that danger because mm, we live in the western part of Ukraine. Um, my city is called Lviv. And uh, now we can uh, be sure that Russians want, Russian troops, I mean, they won't come to our city. So there is no necessity to run away 
And of course, my husband was not very happy to hear I'm going to take children for two months and just travel to the United States. <laughs> so let me ask, let's go back in time. Um, when did you, I'm assuming that you knew in Ukraine before the United States knew that, that you were at war with Russia. How did, you, how did you find out? I couldn't believe it, you know. Everyone was talking about the war. We were talking during February, yeah. But I never believed that. I thought that uh, Russia is that Russia was pretending. They always tried to make special tension near Ukrainian borders, and I thought it was a play. It was a game, but I couldn't realize. And one morning, they just can shoot. Um, they can do missile attacks and destroy uh, buildings uh, like apartment buildings where people live, you know. And I remember the day um, before the war. It was the 23rd of February, and I was telling to everyone, I, I'm always trying to be very optimistic, and I was assuming everyone that... What are you talking about? War is impossible, you know. But in the morning, next next morning, my mom waked me up with a call, phone call, and she told me, yeah, Oksana, it is the beginning of the war. They are attacking our capital, Kiev. Mm -hmm. um, what was... So that is your first finding out about it. When I was, I was in Lviv about maybe like two weeks later, not, mm -hmm. not very much longer afterwards, after it started. And I saw uh, in Lviv how quickly the population had, um, had come together to build roadblocks and, and make sure that people, things were being brought to refugees. It was a very, very quick and very thorough reaction. So I guess what was your first experience of being involved in the war? And also, why do you think the Ukrainian people were so quickly able to come together to, to fight? Um, there was no other way for them. You know, those people who were living mm, near the eastern borders, they were attacked rapidly. Their houses had been mm, destroyed and they were rushing to the west of the country or abroad. And we were at the western country, uh, and we didn't want to um, hide, to leave everything, because, you know, if you live, you work, you earn money, you build your house, you buy cars, you, you have everything actually for normal life. You've been in Viv, you know that people in Viv live ordinary lives. They are not like poor Africa or something like that. Yeah. And you cannot just leave it. You want to defend it. So mm, I think fear to lose it all was the main reason why we were moving that fast, that quickly and cooperating and trying to do whatever. It was easier to do something than do nothing because it was a great shock for us, you know. It, I, I noticed that you also, there was not just taking care of your own, but taking care of other people that came through. It was very, very, 
it seemed to me, and of course I'm only seeing bits and parts and who you introduced me to, uh, including your father, who is kind of like what we would call the mayor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, there was this very, very rapid response to help your fellow countrymen. Um, why do you think that it, it, maybe it's maybe every country does this? I don't know. But it seemed to me maybe because of your history, maybe because of having lived under communism. I don't know. The country was very ready to get things done. Well, you're right. I think you are right because we were a part of communistic um, USSR and it was tremendous time of our history. No one wants to go back to communism and we don't want to be a part of Russian empire anymore. It is, uh, for each Ukrainian, it is easier and better to die than to live in Russia. And it is true, no, not just words, it is really true and it is deep in our hearts. So I think that is the main reason that we are ready to do whatever we need to do, but we had to, to defend and to defeat our enemy. Can you tell me a little bit about what you and your family have done? I remember meeting with, I wrote an article for Reason Magazine. I'll have a link here where I, I interviewed Oksana and her brother, who works in tech, including with a lot of U.S. companies, and her father. And tell us a little bit about what your family did directly, how, how you've been responding during the war. Oh, you know, <laughs> it is so difficult to describe because every day there was something different. And we... Talking about me, it was every day I was trying to do what I can do. Uh, if we are talking about my father, he works like uh, local authorities, like major in our uh, village, which is, which is located um, on the western border of Lviv. And he had some obligations due to his post, to his work, you know, and I, I suppose the most important thing was, first of all, to meet people, refugees. Usually they did not stay in our village. They were moving best. They were trying at least to, to reach to Poland. And they stopped in our village for some two, three, four days, and we had to supply them with some goods, with uh, food, with uh, maybe uh, very often with clothes because it was cold, it was winter, it was freezy, and uh, people usually escaped from their apartments to some basements and stayed there for, were staying there for seven nights, for five nights, for ten nights, having no clothing and nothing with them, sometimes some money and sometimes not, and they were just moving and our task was to give them uh, all necessary stuff and to help them to move to Europe. And um, a bit later, I was volunteering at the main railway station in Lviv. Uh, I was um, a part of information team, you know, near the entrance to the main railway station. We were meeting people from trains and uh, putting them into buses, um, to the cars of uh, volunteers. And I met so many people from Germany, 
from Netherlands, from England, from Poland, from Spain. They were just coming to help. And going back home, they were always coming to us and asking about people who want to go to Europe. They could take three persons, four persons, Norwegians. You know, they were coming um, on ambulance, big ambulance car. And when they were moving to Poland, they just put our people into that ambulance wherever they could sit and they were moving to Poland and it was so uh, I don't know how to say but it touched my heart you know and I asked those people why did they come okay we are in Ukraine and we are helping our citizens it's an we understand that, yeah. But when people from Great Britain come to Lviv to help people, it's it's amazing. It is really amazing. But people try to help because war was very extraordinary for them too. They never saw war. And it was like fear and a great wish to help somebody and to protect somebody. It was really cool and I felt I'm a travel agent in Ukraine but of course in the very beginning of the war we didn't work and I missed being in touch with people, sending them abroad and calling to them and so on. And when I went to the railway station to that information team, you know, I felt like I was just working at my working place. I, I was uh, saying hello to people, goodbye to people. Uh, they usually, they asked me to give them my phone number and usually volunteers don't give their private numbers, but I did. Uh, they all were afraid of those volunteers. Mm, so maybe people are f like frauds. Maybe they would take them somewhere, you know. Uh, dangerous or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, to some dangerous places. And they took my telephone number and wrote me messages. And I was asking them, where are you now? If everything's okay. And they uh, were very thankful. And everything always, everything was fine. And I was so happy for them. And I, f I felt happy those months when I could go to railway station. So what is, it's, you know, it's six months later now. Um, what has, are, are Ukrainian, you know, many, many Ukrainians left the country. I don't know what it was, 1.3 million or something quite I I suppose more. more yeah. um, I know they went to a lot of different countries and a lot of countries took them in, countries that were close mm -hmm. like Poland, but also, you know, further away. Are people starting to come back now? Uh, they say they do, yeah. Okay. Uh, like uh, our um, border officers, immigration mm -hmm. officers, yes, they say that great amount of people come back. I suppose that those people who mm, lost all and have no house, no job, no um, transport, nothing, they, uh, they don't have a reason to come back. Maybe later they will come back. But if you have nothing and it is a dangerous place, mm -hmm. you, you cannot find reason in your head why should you come back. And those who were um, removing from central parts and from west of Ukraine, I am waiting for them in Ukraine. I suppose most of them will be back. So... 
I know when I was there, every single person I spoke to was quite sure that Ukraine would defeat Russia. Like, uh, there, yeah. there was no, there was never a question. From the very beginning, from yeah. the first moment. First moment. It was a sort of a, a fighting spirit. And, you know, we have those shirts, the fighting Ukrainians, that was just, it was, it was absolute. And, I mean, there was fear, of course. We met different refugees, those women that had mm -hmm. come. They literally, they were probably in their 50s or 60s, and they literally came. One had a small child's backpack. One had nothing. I mean, that's it, that they had to escape. Where did they, where were they from? Kharkiv. Kharkiv. So, but still, there was just this, like, we are going to get through this. And we've noticed lately that the war has been changing, you know, for a while. I mean, in America, you know, everything gets politicized and some people say this and some people say that. Okay, okay. But there was a real sense for a while that, you know, there was a lot. There was a lot of bloodshed and a lot of destruction in Ukraine. And now for the past, I don't know, three weeks, two weeks, it seems like it's moving the other way. Some of the reasons for it is that, you know, you told me this too when I saw you, that Russia, you know, plays this big game. Like, they're so strong. But they're not so strong. They're, they're... Oh, they are not. No. Now, now you know. Yeah. <laughs> they pretended to be the second world's army. And now we know who they are. <laughs> mm. Yeah, they, everybody told me the same thing. They like, you know, Putin is always just he's making these bluffs and the United States cannot fall for these bluffs. I must have had 15 people say this to me. Like, dude, the United States should not fall for this because he is not he he intimidates people. But the, you shouldn't be intimidated. So what is the feeling now in the country in terms of since it looks like at least a little bit that it is shifting to the advantage? Mm -hmm of Ukraine? What's the feeling? It is a very good feeling. We realize that the war would last for some time. It cannot end soon, tomorrow or after tomorrow. Yeah, of course, it will take maybe some months. But we know that uh, we win and we have already won. Uh, now we just work to um, make the day of our victory, official victory, closer. But we know we are the winners. We are sure. Um, so you know for sure that the world or the Western world um, fell in love with your president. So, so talk to us a little bit about, uh, about Zelensky. Well, you know, Zelensky is very extraordinary person. Uh, he was he is very emotional, and he used to work at the television with his projects for many years. He had a great support in Ukraine. It was about seventy three percent during elections, and I was one of those twenty seven who didn't support him because. I couldn't imagine him in policy, you know. If he's good on television, it doesn't mean that he's going to be good in policy, in politics. Yeah. And um, after he became a president, uh, I heard many good things about him. Uh, I have many people, I know many people from different fields, uh, from different industries, 
and some of them are also like local authorities or work for central authorities and they were talking good about him and uh, in the very beginning of the war i was impressed and everyone was impressed and i think whole the world was impressed and maybe 50% or even more of our success i believe is thankfully to him he was you know he was very strong and certain he also understood how to use the camera you know he he was very effective um the west kind of fell in in, in love with him um so i'm assuming the good feelings for him continue mm-hmm. right now yeah i believe that and of course there are some people who are a part of opposition but i believe not less than 73% uh, and statistics um sometimes say that over 90% uh, they maintain him uh, and um they are satisfied with what he's doing for ukraine and i also was proud of my country and of my president when i saw especially in the very beginning of the war how my president work worked he talked every day to some parliament to some country he was addressing to um, presidents prime ministers he was telling them about historical parallels in, um, which we have between our countries you know and they he tried to uh, explain those difficult things sim- in in a simple way so one thing he had said you know i i don't need an airplane i need weapons yeah, and, and i don't need taxi that's right <laughs> every person i every single person i met in ukraine said to me something along these lines nancy will you go back and tell your president like i i'm just going to be able to call will you go back and tell your president we are so thankful to all the support that we get from america you know um in terms of uh you know humanitarian support and money this we need weapons yeah. we need weapons and i mean do you do the people and i know you can't speak for all of the people in ukraine but do you feel that the response from the world was what was enough well you know maybe it was too slow mm-hmm. but still we are very thankful because we are aware of the fact that we would never win this war if we wouldn't have the support from the west from civilized countries and so uh, we wanted to have it at once in the first week second week first months because it is really very dramatic situation when you have uh, missiles threats every day you have alarms which are shouting from telephone from somewhere in the street you know and you don't know where to hide and what's gonna happen if it uh, flies somewhere near to your house you know and that is why we were shouting and asking everyone move move give us that weapon but 
I realized that it is not a, that easy process, but it was moving on, and thanks to Western partners, we can defend our country, and we are winning, and we will defeat Russia. Yeah. Uh, I want to just uh, tell very quickly the story of how I know you. So I decided in the beginning of March, I really wanted to go over to Ukraine. I just, I didn't have a particular assignment for anybody, but I knew if I went, it would, it would be fine. And I wound up in Warsaw and then had to get into Ukraine. And there's no real way to do that. You can't take a car, you can't take a plane, you can't take a train. So I took a, a train to the border of Premish in, in Poland, which is about, I don't know, 10 or 12 kilometers. 14 kilometers. Right, from the from the Ukrainian border. And I met a very nice man on the train named Vitali. Vitali um, is Ukrainian. And as you know, you may recall, um, Ukrainian men were, were asked to come back to the country to fight. Um, and also, you know, no Ukrainian men could leave the country. They were letting women and children and the elderly leave. So I met Vitaly on the train, and he was coming from Rotterdam, where he lives, because he has a house in uh, in the seat Odessa. in Odessa. So uh, he said, "Well, come. We'll try to find a. We'll try to find our way over. Like maybe we were going to walk. Maybe we we're going to find a taxi. But it's also like eleven thirty at night. It's very cold. We get to the train station Premish. It's kind of a little crazy. the The train station is not very big there, and there's lots of people, and there's refugee organizations, uh, Jose Andreas, and feeding people." So there's no trains, but Vitaly's like, well, maybe we go over here and we pass through this area where they've got like humanitarian aid strollers and food. And we find a line of people and it's a line of people, mostly men coming from other parts of Europe to go back to fight for Ukraine. There's a few women. I don't know why they're there, but I find out later. And we wait for two hours in the cold as through this building refugees are coming. It's the elderly and it's women and children. And let me tell you, you you think of people that are escaping, they're going to have all these bags with them. They didn't have anything. People literally would have one little shopping bag or one small backpack. And it took a while for them to process and come out because they had to process them into Poland. But these were people that came in. So now this train that they came on was like a transport train, right? We get on the transport train. There's no there's no bathrooms. There's no ticket or anything like that. And we're riding through the night. Okay. Meanwhile, I don't know where I'm going. I have no particular place. And when Vitaly gets to Lviv, where the train we hope is going, we don't even know if the train is going to Lviv. We don't know anything. Um, uh, he's going on to Odessa. Meanwhile, I'm getting some some texts from a woman in Portland who knew my reporting from Portland who has a friend who says that, oh, you can stay with her. Okay. I don't know the woman in Portland. I certainly don't know the woman in Ukraine, but they're arranging it for me. And her name is Oksana and her husband's name is Ruslan. And he will meet me at the train station in Lviv. Okay. We get to, we do get to we get to Lviv. Oh, I found out the women that were on the line that were getting back on the train because you have to understand Anyway, they had dropped their children off in, in Poland. They had taken their children over the border and now were going back to work. I think one of them was a nurse, so she was going back to work. So we get to Lviv, to the train station, and there are about 2,000 people at the train station. Now, it's not, it's not crazy, but it's very busy for 2 o'clock in the morning. And there's lots of people, and all I know is that I'm going to meet a man in a blue jacket. <laughs> 
That's it. That's all I know. So I'm walking with Vitaly, who's going to look for his train. And I was like, it's okay, Vitaly. Thank you so much. You took me so far. Don't worry. Don't worry. He's like, no, 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 no. We're going to find this man. And I'm looking, and all of a sudden, Vitaly turns around, and he goes, maybe that's him. And he points at a man who holds up his phone with a picture of me on the phone. And that was, I mean, the handoff wasn't crazy. And then these men shook hands and basically said in Ukrainian, you got her? It's okay. It's okay. I leave her with you. And he did. And, and I, I, Vitaly, I send you my love wherever you are. I hope you and your family are safe. And then you took me into your home and stayed for five days and allowed me to write stories. And we met refugees. And I got to be friends with your children who were here now playing in my living room. And then afterwards, another journalist went after I left, another journalist went in yeah. and stayed with you. So Oksana has been a real lifeline for and um for Antonia Hitchens was who stayed with you who wrote about who wrote about going to Ukraine um for the New York Review of Books. It it's you've been a real you've been a real source of us being able to understand what was happening in Ukraine. And there's two other questions I have. The first one I'm going to ask you is about um you said when you were going to the airport um, that some people seem to make like you you didn't want people to feel sorry for you as a Ukrainian. And you told me about something at the airport that you saw. Yeah. Uh, I realized that many people all over the world want to help Ukrainians. And it is great. And we are thankful for that. But sometimes Ukrainian use the situation. I, well, it is true. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, it is true. And um, that is that was two days ago or one day ago at the airport in New York when I saw Ukrainians with um, clothing blue and yellow and flags everywhere on their backs, on uh, their jackets, on, on their head. You know, it is too much. Uh, you said there was one fashion model. Uh, yeah, uh, there was one fashion model among them, and she was like just shouting, I am Ukrainian. Well, I am happy that uh, <laughs> Ukrainians are proud of their nationality. Uh, and it should be like that, but we don't have to be like parrots, you know, <laughs> and attract too many attention to us. And also, we don't have to use people. Um, from the from one point of view, I can say that I also use this situation because I couldn't get visa to the United States, which I tried to get some 18 years ago and uh, some maybe five years ago, and now I was using this situation to come to the United States. But I, I came here, took my children with me, because I want them to spend some time without missile attacks, without sirens and alarms, and just to, to relax, to feel good. Uh, I hope I will not stay in the United States for longer than two months. I'm sure I won't stay longer than for two months. And I don't want people to feel sorrow uh, for me, yeah? I, I want to help myself, you know? 
it is for me it is like a good occasion just to get to the safe place to see United States of America which are interesting for me as a country as developed country and also to improve my English skills and to help my elder daughter to improve English and go back home and usually uh, Ukrainians there are two um, kinds of Ukrainians people who really uh, have su suffered and who really need support and help whatever they need th this help in Ukraine or in Poland in Canada in the United States and uh, of course there are some programs local programs to help Ukrainians and many people uh, are like volunteers also there are many hosting families who take people for a long period of time and uh, allow uh, people strange people to live in their house what what is amazing mm -hmm. is even strange <laughs> i would say <laughs> yeah and there is the other part who do not suffer that much and if they want to go somewhere it's okay to take children i i think so it's okay to take children to move somewhere for some period of time but we don't have um mm, right to use those goods those social aids humanitarian aids money and so on because there are some people who really need it you don't want to take advantage no yeah no. yeah um i will say we were walking around uh today we're up by bryant park and victoria yesterday had said because uh, we you know there's always sirens in new york city she heard the sirens and she asked her mother if it was the same sort of sirens that they've had in Lviv because there's an airfield near there and they, it has been bombed. I think it was the bombed the day after I left, yeah, actually. Yeah, it was yeah. in March. I don't yeah. remember yeah. The, the date, but it was in March. And then um, and then um, she also asked, um, because there were also helicopters, because, of course, there are helicopters near, uh, over New York City, and she asked if the helicopters were protecting us from Putin. Yeah, right. Yeah. Are the children scared of Putin? No, <laughs> <laughs> they believe he's gonna die. <laughs> Victoria was uh, drawing him um, in the sun, in the on the sidewalk with the water. Uh, no, I mean uh, that playing. Oh, <laughs> oh! This is her seven-year-old, who's yeah. He, um, he has some friends uh, who who are our neighbors live not, live not far, and they uh, were having. Uh, chalk, chalks uh, on the sidewalk, and uh, they were drawing paintings with dead Putin. Okay, and he, they were writing, Putin is already dead. <laughs> you know, so they believe he is a dead man. Okay, all right. So my last question is: I would like you to explain to an American audience what the Ukrainian obsession with Boris Johnson is about. <laughs> uh, you know. Um, Boris Johnson is a real hero, hero of Ukraine. It's true, and <laughs> I don't laugh at this because everyone um, from children of uh, two years old, three years old, uh, and till, I suppose, 99 years old, they treat Boris Johnson as a national hero of Ukraine. And I don't know if you know, but we already have streets 
named in order honor of Boris Johnson because he is on our side and he is not afraid of Putin and he is always allowed and always uh, sure in his words, in his thoughts and he expresses support and he does whatever he can do to help Ukraine and we see this and we love him and also he always he comes to Ukraine very often he tries to speak Ukrainian and it is of course it is very nice and people love him I think maybe more than Zelensky Ooh. <laughs> um, well I want to thank you for speaking with me I want to thank you for coming to see me and staying with me and for telling me today that I will be going back to Ukraine again and again I have no problem with that um, any other messages for our audience? Well, I want to thank Uni the United States of America, to your president, to your parliament, to your authorities, and also to uh, all U Americans, American people, for such a huge, huge support. Because we are really aware we wouldn't do what we have to do without you. And you helped us to defeat evil, which is real, um, pure evil. Yeah. That's it. Okay. And we will be re uh, really happy to see you on Ukrainian land. I'm a travel agent. <laughs> I remind you, I am waiting for many, many American tourists in Ukraine. I'm ready to receive you. <laughs> <laughs> Call Oksana. Okay, thanks everyone for joining us. Bye.